Coming up next, the podcast of Ancient Roads, Real Israel Talk Radio, episode 20-4. Righteousness. In English, it's a commonly used word that is often defined as behavior that is morally right or good, especially within religious context. And I'm going to suggest a little bit of a different connotation from the biblical texts and narratives. Join us next. Ancient Roads. This is the podcast of Ancient Roads. Real Israel Talk Radio. Take me home. Join us for the next hour as we explore and discover insights into the ancient Jewish and Hebraic ways of understanding and interpreting the Bible's lessons and narratives. Now, here's our host, Avi Ben Mordechai. We're back for another episode of Ancient Roads. Real Israel Talk Radio. And uh, on this uh, episode, we're going to continue where we left off the last time, dealing with this English term righteousness or righteous. We're asking the question, what does it mean? What does it mean? We could say it all day long, but... If we don't have the biblical definition of the term, then we're going to uh, run aground with the wrong idea of what uh, it supposedly means. Now, righteousness in English is one of those uh, common English words often defined according to the idea of behavior that is morally right or good, especially within religious contexts, a morally right or good behavior. So therefore, if someone is behaving according to a particular set of standards or ideas or cultural, uh, relative cultural ideas, we could say they are righteous if they're not conforming to a particular set of cultural norms then we can say that someone is unrighteous which uh, brings about all kinds of uh, problems because now we start judging people based on cultural standards and norms And we say, well, they're not living this way, or they're not thinking this way, or they're not acting this way, therefore they're unrighteous, whereas, oh, they are doing something right. They're doing it according to this standard or this standard. And our standards can all vary depending on, you know, how we see things, so therefore we'll call them righteous. Well, all it's doing is producing a whole series of judgments, one on another, based on certain standards of how we understand and read the Bible. Now, I think what we should do is Try to get back to this idea of what righteousness or the tzaddik, what it really means according to the way Yehovah or Yahweh has defined it in his word. If we can do that, I think a lot of our judgments are going to go far away from us. We're not going to be judging people based on behavior 
although it is important that we are behaviorally, you know, just people, of course, that's important. But the key is that we're not going to be judging people based on what I might call a standard or norm of moral relativisms. We're going to be judging based on whether they are conditionally decreed to be righteous or not based on Jehovah's standards, as he put it down for us. Now, Previously on our last podcast, we were talking about the biblical definition of a tzaddik, the Hebrew word for the English term righteous, or the Hebrew term tzaddik, using the Oxford English Dictionary. We looked at the Oxford English Dictionary, and really, any dictionary will do. Any dictionary will do. They'll all basically give us the same general ideas. That behavior is at the very core of the concept of righteousness. Behavior, that is, morally right or good, especially according to a religion, to follow the path of righteousness. And we have lots of religions out there, no shortage of religion in the world, each religion with its own set of standards and norms that define their definition or their concept of righteousness. But really, we, we have our own set of standards based on the Bibles that we read. But we want to look at the way Yah sees the idea. The way society understands the definition of righteousness and the way Yehovah or Yahweh presents the meaning, I say both are very different. Candidly, if we say that righteousness is about a morally upright standard of behaviors, perhaps we could say culturally calibrated, then it could be said that we are doing Jesus. That is, we're reading into the biblical text. We're reading into society's meaning, and that is not what we want to do. With Jesus, that is spelled E-I-S-E-G-E-S-I-S, with Jesus, an interpreter injects ideas into a text. And we are all interpreters of some sort as we are reading through the Bible. We are reading the texts, the narratives, the poetry, the prose, and we're coming up with interpretations based on a standard that we understand that we've been taught certain words mean this or this or this. So... We are interpreters, and when we inject our ideas into a text, we can easily create biblical errors as we're attempting to align an idea with a preconceived notion. One biblical passage that comes to mind is one that's even quoted there amongst many others in Romans 1.17. 
This is the passage quoted from Habakkuk 2.4. Habakkuk 2.4. Behold the proud. His soul is not upright in him, but the just shall live by his faith. Now, in the uh, New King James Version of the Bible, the translation teams, of course, chose the word, the just shall live by his faith. But other translations might put the word, but the righteous one or the righteous will live by his faith. Because just and righteous have the same meaning. They're related to each other in Hebrew. So let's go to the Hebrew letter tzaddik or tzaddi in Hebrew. Now, the Hebrew letter tzaddi is simply a, a letter. But remember, in biblical Hebrew, every single letter of the 22 Hebrew letters all have a specific meaning. They mean things. Unlike the consonants of English or any other language, Hebrews' letters have meanings behind them. And those meanings are transmitted to us or dictated to us from a very ancient, very old way of looking at things in the Hebrew texts referred to as pictographic Hebrew. So every single Hebrew letter with its meaning has a pictographic source code or source image behind it. The tzadi has its meaning also. Now, tzadi or tzadik, the Hebrew letter, is spelled tzadi dalet kuf. Tzadi dalet kuf. That's the three letters that make up the word tzadi or tzadik. So in the case of our root here, the tzaddik root, its broad spectrum meaning is about exoneration or acquittal. Exoneration or acquittal. And it's derived from the action of squeezing, pressing. Now let's talk about the idea of righteousness. And all of this I went into great detail on our previous podcast, episode number 2020-003, or 20-3, okay? And you can look it up if you'd care to go back and listen to that podcast. I had all the details outlined for you there on episode number 20-3, okay? With this particular program, we're dealing with this righteousness idea. And when we speak of righteousness or to be righteous, it refers to a number of ideas that are related to squeezing and sucking and drying out of a judgment. They're removing the exoneration, the acquittal of something of a penalty. So tzaddikness means to press or squeeze a destructive condemnation out of us. And through this, our spiritual condition is then elevated to that of being just or to be called in justness, 
or to be justified or to be vindicated or to be saved. Yes, to be saved. And we gave an example on the last program from Isaiah 60, verse 21. And your people are all righteous. They will all inherit the land forever. What does that mean? All your people are morally upright. All your people are morally, uh, 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 you know, perfect in their behavior according to society's norms. They're going to inherit the land forever because they're morally and behaviorally acting right according to some standard? No, don't think so. For Jehovah, the Almighty Eternal One, to judge His people as tzaddik with righteousness, or that they have righteousness, they have the quality of this idea of tzaddik. It's nothing short of a full divine acquittal from a horrendous judgment. Now, I am saying that the judgment that I am referring to is the divine eternal word of Jehovah in Genesis 2.17. Genesis 2.17. And there we read where it says to Adam the decree that if you eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, in Hebrew, mot temut, mot temut, that is, in dying, you will die. And that is talking about two deaths, one physical, one spiritual. The spiritual comes after the physical. First we die, and then we die. That is what we have inherited from Genesis 2.17. It is the sentence that was placed upon Adam and Eve and passed down to all of us because we are downline in Adam and Eve's downline inheritance. We're the descendants. So we got the sickness that they got. That sickness got transmitted to us because we became one with the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Put another way, we became genetically entangled with that tree. Therefore, that sentence of sin and death, as Paul understood it in his theology, it was transmitted to us, I believe, genetically in our DNA. However, through the process of Messiah's completed actions, that of sucking, squeezing, pressing, draining out all of the penalties and the judgments from us and taking all of that upon himself, taking upon himself all of that contaminant of sin and death in that tree of the knowledge of good and evil. When he took that on himself, that stuff that we inherited, 
And for that, you can see Isaiah 53, 1 through 4, and all the rest of those verses that follow. By doing that, he declared us just or righteous. He declared us tzaddik. That's his doing, not our doing. And therefore, we have no ability to say, well, I'll just become righteous by being a behaviorally just person. No, you can't. We are tied to the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. We are inheritors of that genetic imprint. Again, we are inheritors of that genetic imprint in Genesis 2.17. And we cannot get out of this except through the work of Yeshua, who then, through his actions, declares us just or righteous, tzaddik. So because he made us tzaddik or righteous, we therefore can respond to him as we are in our new inner man. Indeed, we are a new inner man. We are new because of what he did for us to declare us just or to declare us with justness. We do not act righteous or just or tzaddik in order to be declared just. In other words, you're not doing this lifestyle of some kind of behavioral purity or saintliness in order to be declared just. No, it doesn't work that way. That is what Habakkuk 2.4 says. The proud man does that. The man who says, I will be just or righteous on my own. I'll do that. That is a proud man. His soul is proud in, within himself. And I don't want to be that man. I don't want to be proud in myself. I want to be proud in the sense of looking at Yeshua the, the Messiah, the author and finisher of my faith, the one who declared me righteous or a tzaddik by his actions, not my own. That's the whole point. So therefore, we respond to the master, to Yehovah, to Yeshua, as we are as new creation in Messiah. We respond to him as a new creation of Messiah based on what he did for us, not what we do for him. So we are doing Sadiqness because of Jehovah's justness, which now lives in us because we had faith. We trusted that he would, in fact, accomplish that in us and do that. So we do justness. We are living in justness because Messiah is justness. He is our just one who gives us the decree of justness. That's the key. 
Therefore, concerning Abraham and his seed, Scripture says in Genesis 18, 19, that he command his children and his household after him that they guard the way of Jehovah to do justness, a just judgment, that's mishpat in Hebrew, that Jehovah may bring to Abraham what he has spoken of him. And this is for our entire setup. Jehovah has established us according to what he promised Abraham. Because Abraham looked to Jehovah and he saw the events that would, that would come to him in the future. It had not yet happened. He was looking for that event that would make him just. That's what Abraham did. He looked to that event which would make him just. And that is what Abraham was given. He was declared just because of his faith, looking to the event that would make him just. And we operate and come to Jehovah in the same way. Just as Abraham did, so we also come the same way. I am quite certain that most people are familiar with the want for legal justice. And when there is no legal justice, we then call it injustice. The courtrooms of the world are full of this kind of thing, never short in matters of unfairness and prejudice and discrimination. And sadly, our world is filled with the violence of injustice. So we are demanding justice. Now, the strict definition of legal justice is that of fairness of law in which every person must receive their reasonable due from the justice system. In other words, the judgment or punishment should fit the crime, you would think. Of course, one problem is that many, many attorneys and judges and legislatures of the governments of the world often get caught up in, you know, corruption and more in legal procedure than in actually doing and performing justice or justice or justness. But with Jehovah, there is no injustice in him. Everything that he is and all that he does is about justice and justness because he requires it in his eternal law. And for this, you can see Deuteronomy 16, 18 through 20. It is impossible for Jehovah to turn a blind eye. You know, as the expression goes, 100% Jehovah forever and ever will and requires and demands justice because that is the fulfillment of his eternal kingdom law. And thus, in heaven's courtroom, justice or tzaddikness or righteousness must prevail. And in fact, will always prevail. 
always. Yehovah simply will not turn a blind eye. Okay? This is the podcast of Ancient Roads, Real Israel Talk Radio with Avi Ben-Mordechai. If you wish to stay up to date with coming home news and information, simply register your email address with us on our website, cominghome.co.il. From time to time, we hope to answer questions and comments from our podcast listeners. So if you have a comment or a question, send us an email address to questions at cominghome.co.il. Again, questions at cominghome.co.il. And when you send us a question, please tell us your first name and where you're from. Also, we would appreciate it greatly if you will do your best to keep your questions short and to the point. Questions will be answered in upcoming podcasts from time to time. Stay with us and we'll be back to continue the second half of this podcast, Ancient Roads, Real Israel Talk Radio. You're listening to Avi Ben Mordechai and the podcast of Ancient Roads, Real Israel Talk Radio, episode 20-4. Welcome back to the podcast of Ancient Roads, Real Israel Talk Radio. Join us as we continue to explore and discover insights into the ancient Jewish and Hebraic ways of understanding and interpreting the Bible's lessons and narratives. Once again, here's your host, Avi Ben Mordechai. Okay, we're back to continue where we left off. Now, the strict definition of legal justice is that of fairness of law in which every person must receive their reasonable due from the justice system. With Yehovah, there is no injustice in him. Everything that he is and all that he does is about justice and justness because he requires it in his eternal law. It is impossible for Yehovah to turn a blind eye. You know, as the expression goes, 100% Yehovah forever and ever will and requires and demands justice because that is the fulfillment of his eternal kingdom law. And thus, in heaven's courtroom, justice or tzaddikness or righteousness must prevail. And in fact, will always prevail. Always. Yehovah simply will not turn a blind eye. So now, this goes to uh, Genesis 2.17, which is really a very important passage. The Hebrew text quite specifically says to Adam that if he should eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, the Hebrew is etz hadatovirah, etz hadatovirah, then he would be subjected to two deaths. The Hebrew says mot tamut. Mot tamut, that is, in dying, you will die. Well, we know the story. And when he and his woman or wife Eve ate from the Yetzadato Virah, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, it set in motion a curse 
when all mankind inherited his Adamic decree or judgment. In dying, you will die. That is, physical death first, then spiritual death. So you die, and then you die. Therefore, at every level, we have death in our world. And not just one death, physical, but a second death, spiritual. And Yeshua, when he went to his physical death on the cross, when he went to his physical death on the tree or the cross, it opened a horrible gateway into a second death, the biblical second death. And if you want to know what that is, just go read about it. It's in Revelation 20, verses 12 through 15, among many other places of Scripture. Revelation 20, verses 12 through 15. Yeshua knew what he was about to face after his physical demise. He had to know it just moments before this as he hung on that Roman execution tree or stake. Remember, he spoke the words of Psalm 22, verse 1. Remember those? Psalm 22, verse 1. Now, I would think that many among those who heard him say those words from Psalm 22, 1, that they knew and he knew, at least he knew, something far worse was coming to him. Something far worse was at hand. Yeshua said, as it is recorded in Matthew 27, 26, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. That is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Hmm, wow. Through Yeshua's descent into the second death, where he was literally forsaken, according to Psalm 22.1. He was forsaken, but just for a moment, because he had a resurrection that followed that event. Fulfilling Psalm 16, where it talks about, I will not leave your soul in Sheol and in the judgment. I will not. So Yeshua's descent into the second death brought with him mankind's judgment. That's you and I included in that. He brought our judgment as referenced in Genesis 2, 17. In dying, you will die. Motumut. With him went the curse of sin, and with him went the claim of the second death, which was then satisfied, bringing about the divine justness or righteousness decree that we are now Sadiq in him. So following this, Yeshua then resurrected to life on the third day. 
which opened up the path to eternal life in the word for us. It opened it up for him. He came up out of death, the second death, in resurrection on the third day. That death could not hold him because he is in the word. So the word could not die. He came up out of it, but he took our sins and our decree of judgment from Genesis 2, 17 upon him and he squeezed it out of us and it got squeezed out of him and he went into the second death and came up out of it. Therefore, sin and death went with Yeshua into the second death and on the third day he came up out of it. Now, that satisfies the divine justness decree. So then Yeshua's resurrection to life on the third day opened up a path to eternal life. And this is the justness and the mercy and the grace that Yehovah wants us to receive, my friends. He wants us to receive it. We cannot earn it. He gives it to us. You cannot earn justness. No way. If you want, you can go into the second death, but if you don't have the resurrection, you're not coming out of it. And that's where I differ with Judaism. Because Judaism teaches, Orthodox Judaism, it teaches, well, we can just die for our own sins. We can just satisfy our own our own failures by keeping Torah. And I say, no, you don't keep Torah in order to get justness. Justness is granted to you by grace, and therefore, as a result of that, we respond by keeping and guarding Torah. It's the other way around. You cannot save yourself. No one can. That's the point of Paul's theology, of Yeshua's theology. No one can save themselves Impossible, because you cannot resurrect on your own outside of the second death apart from Yeshua. Therefore, Paul certainly understood this in the same manner when he wrote in Romans 6, 8-9, Now if we died with Messiah, we believe we'll also live with him, knowing that Messiah had been raised, having been raised from the deads, or the deaths, the deads, those are the two, dies no more. Death, the second death, no longer has dominion over him. That's true. And the Greek text, interestingly, has the term the dead. It's the deads, plural, or the deaths. That's the deaths of those deads, the two, the two plurals. And it's in there, okay? So, the divine Justice and boundless grace or mercy of Jehovah leaves no room for DIY. Do it yourself, justness and salvation. He has absolutely no tolerance for any of our self justness schemes. This is what Yeshua had declared. 
when he said in Matthew 5.20, For I say to you that unless your righteousness or your justness exceeds the justness or the self-justice of the scribes and Pharisees, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. He said it right there. We can't uh, partake of and inherit the kingdom of heaven on a DIY, do-it-yourself scheme. We need Yeshua's justness, which is only accomplished through him and through his third day resurrection. Knowing this, we respond by doing what he asked us to do, that is, to live according to his prescribed instructions in the Torah. That's it. And that is an absolute truth, according to Psalm 119.142. We therefore make it clear to all that in receiving his law of truth, there is the fulfillment of divine justness through grace and through the granting of all mercy through his love for us, and that while we were yet sinners, he died for us. So we can say with confidence that he has saved us from the second death and from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. He saved us through his system of justice and not through our own prescribed regimens of self-justice. He gives us no room to think that he will be so impressed with our self-justness schemes or our righteousness routines that we will somehow merit an acquittal from the divine judgment of Genesis 2.17 and the entanglement, the genetic entanglement to the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. No. Our self-righteousness routines will never give us enough merit to acquit us from that divine decree. It cannot. Therefore, the Brita Hadashah, the New Testament, affirms this in Titus 3, 4-7. And it says, And when the kindness of the love of God, our Savior toward man, appeared, not by works of self Justice or righteousness, that is, self-justness, which we have done. But according to his mercy, his grace, he saved us. Through the washing of regeneration, that's the born from above, and the renewing of the Ruach HaKodesh, that's the spirit of the Holy One, whom he poured out on us abundantly through Yeshua HaMashiach, our Savior, that having been just, having been made just by his grace, his grace has given us the status of tzaddik, justness. We should become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. So, this leads us to a response to Yehovah's fulfilled justness or tzaddikness. That is, to live as Yehovah's lights in the world. Because Messiah, the just one, has regenerated us 
and we live through the grace and goodness of his decreed regeneration in us because we stepped out, stepped up to the plate and said, I'll accept that and believe that by faith. We did that. He gave it to us. That's the promise. That's the decree. And that's Paul's teaching. That's Yeshua's teaching. Therefore, there is nothing we can do to earn the status of self-justness. Can't do it. We have to rely on him to accomplish it for us. So we must return to absolute truth. We must return. So we learn from Hebrew and from the ancient biblical Hebraic theology of Yehovah that we cannot, that he cannot endure injustice, or if you will, self-justice. He can't. He cannot endure it. He's not going to let us do a DIY salvation, do-it-yourself salvation. We can't do it anyway. Yehovah himself gave us the fulfillment system of his justness through Yeshua to satisfy that decree of Genesis 2.17, mot temut, mot temut, in dying you will die. Therefore, this is the answer to my earlier question that I had asked about 1 John 3.7 back in a previous program where uh, 1 John 3.7 says, Little children, let no one deceive you. He who practices righteousness is righteous. He who practices that faith of receiving justness by what he did, you are just. You're declared just. Just as he is just in the same exact way. Because as he came up from resurrection from the dead, so we come up. As we are in him, so he is in us. And as he is in us, so we are in him. That's what this is all about. Thus, the justness of the tzaddik is provided by Yehovah to us and not through something that we provide from ourselves or for ourselves, except to respond to him. And in responding, we choose to walk as he walked. Therefore, we have two passages to tie this together. John 15, 10. Yeshua said to his disciples, if you guard my commandments, you will abide or live in my love, just as I have kept or guarded my father's commandments and abide or live in his love. Remember the statement that was made by Paul, that while we were yet sinners, from the Garden of Eden, from the entanglement of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, from the Yetzidah Tovirah. While we were yet sinners, Messiah died for us and resurrected for us and lives for us. So Yeshua says in Matthew 23, 23, if you pay tithe of mint and anise and cumin, He's speaking to the Pharisees, but have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justness and mercy and faith. All three of those, they come into play when we 
receive what he has given to us and we accept it. We look at the execution stake. We look at the work of Yeshua, the finished work, and we say, that is what I believe. When you do that, you are granted, you are granted salvation from the Etzadah Tovarah, from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. You are granted a severing, a genetic severing from that tree, and therefore you are granted by no work of your own except your faith. You are granted that that decree that says you will not suffer the tamut part of the mot tamut. In dying, you will die. Oh yeah, we'll die the first death for sure. Everyone goes through that one. That's the physical one. But the spiritual one? No. You are free in Messiah. You have been disentangled. You have been disengaged from that tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Therefore, therefore, in Yeshua, there is liberty and justice or justness for all who will believe and receive him. And that is exactly what Abraham did. It says he saw and believed and it was counted to him. It was credited to him as righteousness or justness. He did. Yeshua said it in John 8. He said, Abraham saw my day. He saw it, past tense, and was rejoicing, was glad. That's the whole point. And so we get the same thing. And by the way, Noah also saw the same thing, by the way. You don't. He see? Yeah, Noah saw it too. You can read about how Noah was righteous in his generation. No, Noah was just or had justness in his generation because he too saw exactly what Abraham saw. He believed it. So he was looking forward. Both of them were. They were looking forward and we are looking backward. They're looking forward to that event that would make them just. And we're looking backward at the same event to make us just. That is the beauty of what this is all about. Therefore, with this Hebraic understanding of biblical righteousness, the concept of Yeshua giving of ourselves to be squeezed and drained of his life on our behalf to satisfy divine justness. That makes perfect sense. That helps us to understand what we are saved from and what we are saved to and what our decree of justness or righteousness is all about. Why we are called a tzaddik.
see you next time for the program. We'll deal with this podcast and talk more about these ideas of righteousness. Join us next time as we'll come back and take a look at the idea of faith. What is faith? Next time on our podcast of Real Israel Talk Radio. Let's go.